0: Welcome to series four of Embracing Your Mortality. I'm author Sue Brain and over the winter I've been talking to some amazing people including an international voice healer. Suddenly you're at home in yourself you know it's like when you fall in love there's no need to even say anything anymore. A UFO, a near death researcher. If we could grow up as a civilization. If there are these people visiting us, maybe they would talk to us. And an author whose book about her mother's Alzheimer's is being turned into an audio play starring Juliet Stevenson.
1: I could almost recite everything she said. <laughs> it's so much
0: part of me. And I deeply, deeply appreciate it. It's a gift. So it's such a pleasure to introduce my first guest, Samantha Koshar-Edwardes. She and her partner are lovingly restoring John Lennon's Sgt Pepper's Gypsy Caravan into a space that will deliver stories and messages of joy and peace around the world.
1: So we'd started The Delight Makers as a small social enterprise. And um, its purpose was to bring wisdom sharing and enlightenment through projects that were creative, participatory, and based in sort of beauty and entertainment and not preachy. And um, we were raising money for our first project, which was called A Thousand Grandparents and Bedtime Stories. And that was a film-based project asking beacons of light from all different cultures to give a story of their choosing as a gift to the world's children to become a sort of online resource for all children. But we were tiny and we didn't have much funding. And it was, you know, people were still reeling from this dreadful global financial crash. So it was just sort of, uh, how are we going to, to raise these funds? And it was myself and my partner, And he's an engineer and he's a a restorer, an extraordinary restorer. And he said, well, I'll restore something for you and you can auction it and that will give you a pot of money. So we developed this idea and we called it Beautiful Things for Beautiful Causes. And it was to take something that had been discarded or written off, restore it back to its former glory and then use that as a fundraising mechanism. The first thing he took on, he took this pot of money we had and he bought this sort of old Jaguar Mark II, turned it into a masterpiece. Managed to persuade Bonham's auction house to do the auction for us. He broke a record at uh, Bonham's Goodwood Revival and it went for something like eighty-three thousand, whereas normally they would go for sort of 2530. So it was such a credit to him, that achievement. And so we finally had this little pot of profit to sort of work on our project. But then something bizarre happened, as it does in the universe. Synchronicities began to unfold. I thought, "Oh, well, we've got a model here for fundraising," and I reached out to a local fundraiser um, in our area um, around Ascot and Chertsey at the time, in the hope that he might be able to help me sort of take this idea of beautiful things for beautiful causes and expand it and help me promote it. I didn't know anything about him, and I didn't know that he was. Hard of hearing. <laughs> and he hadn't had his hearing aid in when I, I called him. Um, and he'd gone onto our website. And at the time, our website opened up with a page of welcoming based on the principles of John Lennon's Imagine. Now, unbeknownst to me, for the previous 18 months, this gentleman had been seeking a home for this totally ruined item that belonged to John Lennon. And so there was this weird meeting where we we sat down for coffee and for 20 minutes he started going on and on and on about a caravan and I didn't know what he was talking about. And then I said to him, please, I I just don't know what this caravan is. And he had assumed that I'd found out about it because I was interested
0: in John Lennon. And uh, it was just this sort of perfect moment. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful story of cosmic synchronicity and beautiful Beautiful. i mean whoever expects to randomly meet someone
1: and and find that they've got this this amazing story how did he get hold of the caravan then his name is alan carr not the comedian (laughs) um and he is he's very well known in the area and actually he's done lots of national charity projects he's got sort of a, a strong reputation um, for being a very trusted man in the community, an uh, MBE fundraiser. The caravan had been forgotten in a property that once belonged to Lingo Star. The man who had owned this property had thought that he'd got some bit of old Beatles film prop in his garden and never got round to doing anything with it. And he'd sort of been there for 15, 20 years and then was about to move. And he just said to the, the person managing the sale of his property, "Look, I think there's a Beatles thing in my garden. If it's salvage- salvageable, give it to charity." So Alan Carr was called cool because he was the man of the area that was trusted. Oh, wow! He had no particular connection to Beatles. He knew nothing about restoration. So
0: this, for me, what's coming to me is that the you know you the universe was waiting for the perfect chess move to happen but it had to wait a lot 20 years yeah longer really
1: and it just gets more extraordinary alan had been approached by people because word had got out that he'd had this caravan so it attracts people who are after this kind of prize for a personal collection or and he had some people just trying to buy it for their personal gain and also people trying to tell him it was a write-off and to give it up and the wow. day before I met him, someone had more or less convinced him he would never find a restorer and he was uh, being offered £20,000 to give it up. I think he'd become so
0: disheartened, he was on the verge of giving up. And then you arrived like an angel going, that's what we do. <laughs> that is so, that is such a bizarre story. It's, it's unsolicited on both, on all parties. Oh my God. God, I, I know, I just wonder if John Lennon's spirit has something to do with all of this. I mean, we don't know, but it's no. a lovely thought if he was kind of going, you know, oh my goodness me. So tell me more about the vision that you now have. You've got the caravan, it's now being restored by your partner, lovingly restored by your partner. I should tell you another part of the
1: synchronicity. Sure. Because that's a little piece of it. Our initial intention of being to to move forward with our Bedtime Stories project for the children. We had to make a decision about taking on the caravan because we were a tiny team. This was going to require extraordinary uh, research and provenance tracing. We had to make a decision about putting the Bedtime Stories project on hold in order to undertake the opportunity of the caravan. We decided to do it because we thought, well, you know, The potential fundraising through the caravan is vast. And then we then set out to do the provenance tracing. The story unfolded to us that the roots of the caravan and its designs were all based in children's bedtime stories. John's own inspiration was that he was creating this wildly designed vehicle for his then four-year-old son, Julian, as an inspirational caravan of imagination and dreams. It was inspired by John's favourite childhood stories, which were Wind in the Willows, which begins with Toad of Toad Hall in the yellow caravan, and then Alice in Wonderland. So all of these psychedelic secrets are woven into the caravan and the art um, inside all of the designs. There's lots and lots of secrets to unfold within it. But for us, it was this additional layer that this caravan was rooted in the very thing that we'd started out with, with this mission for Amazing. children's storytelling. So, again, it make you wonder whether, if not the spirit of John Lennon, the spirit of the wind <laughs> in the sure. willows whispering through somehow to sort of bring this all into sure. being. That was critical to the decision we made about the caravan, because soon as we really understood that this caravan was already taking us on a journey to discover new aspects of John Lennon, which would broaden our understanding of him culturally. It seemed more and more blatant to us that we should not take this as um, the original intention to restore it and then auction it, where it might disappear off into a private collection and not be shown with the public. But that actually this caravan was a storytelling vehicle. It was a storytelling vehicle about John's life, It was a storytelling vehicle in terms of what it could become as a platform and a catalyst and an inspiration and a total piece and instead decided that it should become the focal piece and the centrepiece for a project in its own right, which we named Piecing Together. It's built in the love and peace way because John loved wordplay and our stories, of course, are all composed of words and the ones we choose to believe and don't believe. So doing something, you know, that sort of honours his wordplay, his poetry, and how articulately
0: he tried to use words to liberate people's souls, I think, is really important. Yeah, It's beyond belief, and if somebody told you this story as a story, you go, well, that can never happen. It's true. Just tell me a little bit more about the caravan itself. So it came to you in pieces. How do you know how to restore... How it used to be, do you have photographs? We were
1: a little bit blessed in that sense. I mean, what had happened to the caravan is that it was left in Tittenhurst Park, which was John's property where he filmed Imagine with Erica. Ringo became the owner of that property when John was stranded in, in New York. And then, of course, we lost John. Um, the caravan deteriorated. They did a bit of restoration work on it. But then sadly, in 1987, it became the victim of the 1987 hurricane. And a tree went through one side corner of it and did a lot of damage on that piece. And some of it survived completely intact. So it was a mix of deterioration, uh, completely intact and completely splintered pieces. Um, and it just, I suppose nobody knew how to took it on. So it just got sidelined. Mm. Fortunately for us, There is Pathé film from the day of its debut when it left um, the workshops in July 1967. Mm. And there are colour photographs. There's quite a lot of photographs and more and more emerging over time. Mm. Um, So part of the restoration is taking those photographs and trying to reconstruct it from that. This is not me doing this. This is my partner doing this. Yeah, 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 Um, I'm sure. Part of it is him analysing every single fragment of wood and, you know, literally seeing what can be naturally fits together again. We've also been given the help of uh, modern day tech. So we've got um, a film company who are helping us to create 3D models, um, virtual models. So that helps, again, with like double checking the precision Of what's being done but most of it is coming out of my partner's head and it's taken a very long time. Mm -hmm. Also it's just literally um, removing layers and layers of paint and the story reveals itself. Caravan is a rare, um, it's it's known as a showman's wagon, a Thomas Mm -hmm. of Chertsey showman's wagon, there are only a couple left in the world. Uh, Thomas of Chertsey specialised in making the old fairground attractions like the Victorian swing boats and all those sorts of things. And So this was a showman's wagon, and John found that particularly useful because the showman's wagons had plain sides, and then they put their signs and displays on them externally. Um, So that suited what John wanted to do when he wanted to add all of his own mad, wild, psychedelic designs and artwork onto it. Caravan's got a story before John, so it's, it starts in the late
0: 1800s. It's yeah. a story within a story within a story, which yeah. is that's life. It isn't just a metaphor of storytelling. It's this wagon is a metaphor for life itself and stripping it all away. And that's when you find the truth of the story. And I mean, there's endless sort of connotations and symbologies associated with this.
1: There are, where there are pieces of wood that are too damaged to restore. Or need to be replaced. He's so sort of perfectionist, he's made sure that he finds wood that would have been felled in the same place to try and find the matching grains so that the energetic lines of pieces that he puts into the original have a harmony and resonance with one another, which is quite a challenge because some of the woods are extinct now because the Victorians went crazy and. Uh, destroyed a lot of pitch pine forests so there's nothing you have to really 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 search because they were felled 40 years before they were used so you're sort of looking for things in the 1840s and 1850s if a nail can be preserved he's preserving it and they would be handmade trock nails you know it's we call it a forensic restoration it's an extraordinary undertaking the other points which i suppose the more creative people will get excited about is unpicking and uncovering the artwork because you can still find the blueprints of the designs laid into the woods so you can make sure that you get that sort of perfect replica going back in and discovering all the little hidden art within the art because this is john it's like you think you're looking at something and then you need to look harder so, we're, we're recording the restoration for a documentary so that we can share all of this with people and take them on the journey that we've
0: been on. I think so it's one of the on. most exciting creative projects I, I've actually ever come across because of the nuances of it, because of the multi mm. layers of it, because of the universe being involved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and you being brought in and how you met with Alan Carr. And for me, Obviously, this podcast is called Embracing Your Mortality, and it reminds me about being open to the magic of what that means because there is a a sense of things happening in the unseen worlds. Always, yes. Always, and when the time is right and the pieces are in the right position, Mm. it manifests. It's we humans that have to create the space for that to happen. I think so, and I feel like my partner would say it's like
1: the caravan has us like we're part matter and part spirit we both agree with that um but for him also these physical items are part matter and part spirit so when he first saw the caravan in this broken state he tunes in i should say so he's aspergers so he's very high functioning aspergers and this sort of attunement to physical things and well to all things actually it's like he can feel their the spirit so he feels that original blueprint of the caravan and so he describes it like when he gets a piece right it's almost like the caravan sings back to him and when he's doing it wrong it's almost like it slaps him it's like it's it absolutely has its own spirit in this and wants to be honoured
0: properly. I tell you what's coming to me as you're speaking I I'm just so moved by this but you know, this beauty of waiting for the caravan to sing and hearing the song of the caravan. That is such a high expression of of human connection with the divine or whatever you want to call the yeah. universe or however that mm. works. And that feels to me the highest possible expression of what's happening. And then we have things happening in Ukraine where we've forgotten the song. Forgotten the spirit. We've forgotten spirit. That's what's happening. And for me, listening to you talk about this story, you know, the wagon is a, is a symbol of remembering the spirit. Yes, because um, we've forgotten our
1: blueprint. We've forgotten yeah. our blueprint as, as divine, sacred beings. And the caravan, as it gives us all these metaphors. It was struck by a tree and it was neglected and then, and then it broke. But its blueprint didn't break. Its blueprint yeah. is still there. And I think you can say the same about humanity neglected a lot and as ourselves as part of the earth. And we've allowed a lot of things to break and we've become a bit of a throwaway society the minute something's not perfect, it's like we discard it, which brings us back to this idea of beautiful things for beautiful causes. And we need to make our own spirit the beautiful thing for the beautiful cause. And we need to make this earth the beautiful thing for the beautiful cause. And the caravan is interesting, Yoko Ono in 1968, she did a, an art project that she called Mend Peace for John. She set out, sent out these little uh, plastic bags um, with a ribbon and a poem and some glue in them. And she invited people to do something like take a cup and put it in the bag and smash it and then take it out and as a meditation and contemplation, put the cup back together with the poetry and the the glue and and to think of that as healing all of the violent um, energies in the world. And in in a sense, this this caravan can be like a massive teacup, (laughs) if you like, a huge mend piece project. Um,
0: that everybody can become involved in, in sharing the journey it's but, interesting you, you use the metaphor of the cup because and i can't remember the name of this but it's a japanese way of when something's broken suji. that's in it su- and you mend it with gold the pain becomes the gold the brokenness beca- as you put yourself back together becomes the gold and i love that metaphor they don't try to deny
1: the experience of having been damaged or broken through life's journey. Um, So it's almost celebrated through the gold. That's where the wisdom comes from or where the light has got in through the cracks and and now you're putting it back together. And again, this is this sort of metaphor for what we need to do to ourselves and for our earth. You know, when the caravan's complete and we're able to take it on the road, it's hopefully going to be a catalyst for that, for that message. But I think in the film, what we want to do is sort of invite people to look at you know, where the breaks are in their life, see John's. John took that journey as a man born in the 1940s in a sort of working class, war-torn environment who had all of our cultural nonsense in you know, imprisoning or trying to imprison his mind about men versus women or the views of disabled people and racism and class and all of that stuff. And, you know, he had the pain of his childhood, losing his mother and father, losing his mother again then Mm. through death. And, you know, so much imposed on him and then suddenly be the most one of the most famous people in the world at the age of 22 or whatever it was then. Uh, Such pressure. Of course, he cracked. You know, he cracked Mm. by the late 60s. He was being introduced to psychedelics and spirituality and different philosophies. And then he had that courage to
0: share his journey of cracking with us. Courage is really important here, because it takes a huge courage, actually, to pick yourself up and put yourself mm-hmm. back together again and actually be an improved model. It gives us more of a story. it gives us more context in our lives. it gives us richness. you know, somebody's just this perfect bowl. It's not touchable, but when yeah. we're broken and we know that we can restore it. And I love that whole concept of putting things back together and with the brokenness just there because that's when you can really talk to each other and say, I see your wound and you see mine. And I think that's one of the most precious things that we can give to each other. Definitely. We're sharing the treasures with one another in doing that. When we
1: find that courage and humility, <laughs> we need a humility. But it's that, in the end... When we've seen where we've fallen for narratives that have taken us into violence to ourselves or to others, and and we see the light and we free ourselves from it, then we give that as a gift, don't we? But I think it's also a precursor for our, our ability to forgive, because once we see how easily we made the mistakes or fell down the potholes of life, then we can see how easy it is for others to do it. So we can get out of this judgmental mind state of, you know, condemning one another and we can move to a place of forgiveness. And that is, I think, one of the most powerful acts in the world living with forgiveness. It's much better to do it
0: while you're alive than wait till you've lost someone before you think about moving towards forgiveness. That's going to come to the fore so much because of what's happening in Ukraine at the moment. John Lennon was sort of, for me, his his two most important
1: songs are obviously Imagine because he's putting you in the driver's seat of your creative source being and he's inviting you in that song to imagine everything that you're told was taboo. Mm -hmm you know, that there would be no countries or, you know, that there's no hunger. So like he actively put you in a driving seat to imagine what you're told is impossible. But the other wing of that dove for me is the working class hero, where he's pointing out the toxic narratives of how all the harm is done that takes us away from that creative sovereign imagination. The the stories that we're telling and our ability to to liberate those chains and then move to the forgiveness for having blindly accepted so many of them that would lead us to do things we wouldn't mm. do if, we, we, if we'd been given a different world
0: to imagine from day one. So much potential here. <laughs> and so just tell me a little bit about timelines here. When mm. do you feel that the, the wagon
1: may be rolling out? hoping that we're going to be able to start sharing some of the journey with people this spring. And we will probably then start putting out small pieces on film and through the internet, and we're working with some um, storytellers and we'll hope we may even venture into the metaverse a little bit with it. <laughs> we're, exploring, we're exploring that, the pros and cons of doing that. Um, but, yes, you, may, you may, may find us in that world as well. What do you mean by the metaverse? Where we've, we're having to create digital models to help us do the reconstruction of the caravan, some of that can be utilised to create um, virtual models of the caravan that can also go out. You know, we're, we're looking at whether that could be a fun thing to do with kids. You know, for them to sort of explore the caravan in that way. Um, and I'm kind of in two minds about it part of me is like well that's the world that they know and they love so do it but another part of me thinks Mm. don't want to get too lost in that virtual world so it's finding the balance in that the benefit to it of course is this immediate ability to reach globally the actual physical debut of the caravan will be in the following year which needs to be about taking the caravan out as a real item for people to come and see and to make sure that this is celebrating the message of peace, the conversation of peace, how we're telling stories, that it was created as an inspiration piece for children primarily. Make sure that we are doing music and story and beauty and poetry and things that they can participate in. And then, of course, you have the Beatles and the John Lennon fan base and the whole music system. So you've got different audiences to cater for. So we're looking to create an experience where people don't just come and look at an exhibit and walk around it, Mm. but actually participate in uh, a dynamic form of entertainment where it's healing and piecing together and joyful. These things are starting to now come together just as the caravan's pieces have been prepared, ready for the reconstruction. Do you regard yourself as the guardian of this? Oh, gosh. The charity owns the caravan. Um, so that has guardianship of a physical item. The vision, I suppose you could say I I was the channel for the vision. So in that sense, I do feel like I'm the guardian of that and the integrity of it is everything to me. But it stays honoring of John and John and Yoko's vision for peace in that sense. Uh, but, but this was also pre-Yoko, so it was that whole intention to inspire children and feed their imaginations with this wonder. These things really are important mm-hmm. to me, that we, that we hold this, not as some preachy project, but that's something that is transformative entertainment and delights. You know, our charity is called Delight Makers. That's what we we need it to do. We want people to come away and have it been delighted and hopefully transformed mm-hmm. through the whole experience to go out and, and feel inspired and want to do something themselves with their precious life.
0: That was Samantha Koshar-Edwardes bringing peace to us all. You can find out more about her fantastic project through PeacingTogether.org. My next guest is Chloe Goodchild, creator of The Naked Voice, which she's taught to thousands of people around the world with the aim of promoting peace, healing, and non-violent communication. Music is all we are, right? Call it speaking, and then we separate it from singing. But it's all soul sound, remembered or forgotten, heard or unheard. If you haven't already, don't forget to listen to the first three series of Embracing Your Mortality. Links to all my guests in all the series can be found on my website, subrain.co.uk. In the meantime, here's to living more consciously for a better world. The Embracing Your Mortality podcast was researched and recorded by Sue Brain and produced and edited by the podcast Den.